take two, everybody. Reset. Take, reset. Make sure. Okay, we're recording. Okay. Yes, it, we are recording this time. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever done that. So oh, I stand. Man. I used. Oh, I until today. I stand by my record. Okay. We ready? Okay. Ready. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. My name is Mark, and I am coming to you from deep in quarantine underground in the Comic Book Dungeon. And this is Cruz coming to you sort of live from the TP Line bunker of the Wolf Spider Arena. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this was much better the first time. Yeah, it was. <laughs> anyway, we want to welcome you to our show where we are uh, uh, in, in coming to you from the middle of the coronavirus pandemic sweeping the United States. Yep, yep. Everything is going to shit. Uh, and uh, literally, because there's no TP for your bungholes. There's no TP. 7-Eleven is sending out virus updates to keep uh, to keep you safe when you're getting your big gulps. I mean, it's like it's like society has fallen here. Society is falling apart, and in order to maintain my immune status, I'm gonna make sure I keep my blood type at about 60% alcohol, like so. <laughs> I I don't know if this is true, but I saw something on the internet talking about how stores are on the lookout because teenagers are going in and coughing and sneezing on the produce trying to spread coronavirus so i don't know if this is an actual story that was a caught or one of those like scare pieces that you see trying to scare the elderly but that is the discourse in our society right now oh well i mean come on think back a year ago and there was fucking assholes in walmart licking the ice cream I don't think you should do that unless you purchase the ice cream. I, I have a, no, taking a firm stance on no, that. No, they were licking it and putting it back. When like I were taking the cover off, removing the protective wrapping, going full on fellatio on that shit, and then putting it back in. Oh, no, I'm sorry, cunning English, cunning linguist. There you go. Yeah, I, we're we're gonna take an anti-licking uh, ice cream uh, stance here. Unless you plan to consume it all. In that case, go for it. Oh, just off the top, do you? Uh, is there anything comic book related you've been doing? I feel like our our strive has gone. We were in the zone, and then we weren't recording, and now we're out of the zone. So I'm gonna just try to charge ahead. Anything comic book related you've been doing uh, in this period of quarantine? <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> a good thing I've got a spray shield. Um, anyways, um, so uh, yeah. Um, uh, about a month or so back, back in the good old days where you could go outside and gather in large groups, uh, myself and my my two tween-age um, offspring, Spawn, whatever you want to call them, went out to a local con. Yeah. And, and I met an interesting uh, individual. Um, I forget his name. I'm so sorry. But I know he's like his, – his brand label is Omeow Comics. And I, I mentioned trying to get him on the show at one point or another, and he was amicable to that. Cool. But I got a couple of uh, – I got a graphic novel off of him and a coloring book uh, from his uh, his little vendor stand. And, and I've been reading his uh, his graphic novel. It's very interesting. Uh, his, his thing is cats. He really loves cats. So um, this graphic novel basically was sort of an anthology work. 
loosely based around Game of Thrones, and it was called A Song of Mice and Fur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've been uh, perusing through that on my lunch breaks as time goes on. I, I've been reading that. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, I started watching She-Ra, Princess of Power on Netflix with one of my younger kids. How's that? that? Count? It's actually um, – it's – kind of good it's like if you like the modern voltron at all which i fucking love and adore that show uh if you like the modern voltron uh she-ra princess of power or princesses of power sorry there's there's, there's like a little world reboot kind of going on there um is like voltron light it doesn't have any of it doesn't have as much of the more maturish relationship building in there and it's very girl powery i'm i'm not saying that in a derogatory term i am term. it's it's very girl powery and i mean girl powery as in spelled with g u r l okay uh, <laughs> um and it also kind of has a it, it almost feels like a little bit of a light freaking lesbian romantic tragedy okay I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I mean, seriously, the two chicks were sleeping together. It could be completely platonic, but there might have been something more there. The heart uh, but wants yeah, what it wants. The heart wants what it wants. So I was, I, I watched that, and it was, it was pretty good. I would continue watching it. Um, the uh, let's see, if if you're a fan of kind of the more uh, live action. Uh, kind of sci-fi stuff uh myself and my older offspring started watching i'm not okay with this um which is uh and, and i haven't seen brightburn yet so you know full disclosure but i i've kind of gotten the synopsis of it it kind of feels like a more a less uh superman gone bad more like freaking teenagers getting these weird powers and has no fucking idea what the hell is going on but it's told in a very tarantino-ish way interesting um, yeah i mean i the, after the first episode or two i was i was at uh, i absolutely loved it and i was just like i can't wait to watch more uh the only hold back is you know corralling my teenagers in to watch it with me because it's like hurting cats sometimes <clears throat> yeah i mean i just don't think that they're that generation is as geared to sit down and watch something in common with their people, say, previous year. You know, it's all oh, no. yeah, personal no. devices and time. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not that. It's just that they're so used to doing whatever the fuck they want on their own schedules. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, if I'm like, hey, can you guys want to come watch this with me? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'd love to watch it. And then freaking squirrel, you know, mobile devices in their face again. And I'm like, hey, guys, I thought we were going to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're coming right out. Squirrel. You know, but uh, given given the current situation, I, I don't blame them too much because like all of their socializing at this point is done through their mobile devices because they no longer have a school to go to. Yeah, I could see how that could be a problem. <clears throat> so, yeah, you know, I, I, I told them, uh, yeah, you, you know, great social distancing is uh, fantastic in all guys, but uh we still need to maintain the family unit, so let's come together for our meals and for watching a teenage girl who doesn't understand what her powers are and are manifesting them at really weird moments and making a jock's nose bleed and uh, making cracks in the wall and all sorts of cool things. Let's let's go watch that. Also, she pops freaking pimples on her thighs. Awesome. Yeah, so 
where I think those are the two main ones I've been watching. Um, as far as reading, uh, yeah, that that uh, the the freaking song of uh, mice and fur was about it for now. I, I do have uh, some old uh, some old uh, trade paperbacks that I'm looking at and thinking about freaking just peeling open uh, as uh, as the world comes unraveled. Well, this is completely derivative of everything that everyone else has said on the subject, but uh, I think you should be, I think you should check out House of X and Power of X, like the X-Men relaunch, because mm-hmm. it's just, I'm like an issue, up to issue four, because I'm, you know, reading off of Marvel Unlimited, and it's as good as everybody said. You know, it's a good jumping on point, so, like, most people have not been st- staying current with the X-Men, you know, I have, because I'll, I, I read almost everything Marvel, but, uh... It's it's meant for to bring people back on, so you don't need to be caught up with anything. It's like a fresh start point. Oh, nice! And it's so nothing. It it and you can tell that they. I mean, they're mining fifty years of X Men history. They're pulling deep cuts back from early issues, from later issues. But I mean, you don't need to be current, or you don't need to know all that stuff to read. But yeah, I mean, it is really a dramatic, uh, dramatic change in the X comics and. This is the first stuff that I've read in years that actually feels like this is important and this is actually going to get referenced at some point. And this is, you know, everything, it's just like they, it just, it's like they throw it at the wall and none of it was sticking. So this is the first that actually feels vital. Um, I, I just, it's, it's weird because like every mutant is on the same team now. So you see Magneto and Xavier working with Sinister and Apocalypse and it's just, it's, uh, you get it, but it's, 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 it's super out there and I, I think you would dig it. Nice. <clears throat> um, nice. I've been playing a lot of Mortal Kombat. Like a lot of the Ooh, yeah. I've had a weird obsession. I've been playing like two trilogy, Deadly Alliance. I've just been kind of jumping back and forth and through the series. I've just been really Jones in Mortal Kombat. Uh Spawn just hit Mortal Kombat. I saw. He looks pretty badass. Uh, uh, I have not played with him extensively yet. One of my favorites was uh, the Terminator. When they added him, I did a lot with the Terminator. And a uh, friend of the show, Schneider, came over last week, and we played through and beat it with the uh, Joker. And he <laughs> he was... I, 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 I never really liked him in uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC or when he was in... Uh, uh, what's the DC fighting game? Um, oh, God. Um Injustice yes. Gods Among Us. Yes, I didn't like him in either one of those, but he's really good in uh, Mortal Kombat. Really fun. Nice. Um, you're going to make fun of me. Uh, I, I've gone back to Enterprise and because uh, I took a bit of a break, and I watched the episode where uh, they go to the... Uh, like Earth sends a research team to the Antarctic because they find some uh, anomalies. And they find Borg that crash-landed during Star Trek First Contact. And so they wake up, and they start assimilating shit. And it's... By that time, you know, this was like 2003, Voyager had already kind of destroyed the mythos of the Borg. And so the Borg really weren't cool anymore, and this just seemed like a grab to get people on board. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, like, they... I really like the episode. (laughs) They... Because it... You know, they don't know what the fuck the Borg are. So it's them with their shitty, you know, 22nd century tools trying to destroy a, you know, 24th century problem with no idea how it works. It, uh, 
and a couple of times you're like, I don't really think it would work this way, or I think this is a little bit too easy for you. But I mean, it really put a lot of that mythos back, the mystery, mystery back in the board because they don't know all the answers and they're just guessing. It was it was actually really good. I would recommend that episode. And the one before it was. I need to keep on with that show. I'm I'm I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm kind of looking for stuff to watch again. Um, uh, most so. of most of season one was real rough for me. It, yeah, I think I'm like three quarters of the way through season one. There was an episode from season one that I, so far has been my favorite of the series. It's where they go to a planet and there's two different species that live there where one is kind of subjugated by the other. Have you seen that one yet? Uh, I don't think so. It was an amazing episode of Star Trek and it's been my favorite episode of the show so far. Because it really, because what I like about the show is that there's no prime directive. There's no real policies yet. It's just them kind of going out and dicking around and figuring out what to do and making them making kind of a mess of it. And this was an episode where they really start talking about maybe we shouldn't just be going and doing shit willy-nilly. We need to start thinking about the consequences of our actions. And there's a few right. episodes like that since then where they realize, like, wow, we've made some terrible mistakes. You know, if more humans are going to come out here, we need to do better. We need to figure out, you know, how to handle this. Right. And that's the one with the the chief engineers, the redneck, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm a big fan of him. I, I mean, I, I like him. I just, I just, you know, I mean, how many decades of Star Trek have we had? And we have never, ever heard a y'all. Yeah. <laughs> he, one of the episodes I just watched, uh, he he does some really stupid shit. And it was actually hard to watch because you're like, oh, they're going to fuck everything. I can't – no human would act the way he's doing, but it's all going to turn out right in the end. And the episode just ends with, like, basically the captain calling him an idiot and be like, I don't know how when you were doing this and then this and this, how you thought any of that was a good idea. And, I mean, just <laughs> chewing him out for five minutes, which I didn't expect. So that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, I mean, you got to get a good dressing down in there sometimes, right? <clears throat> what I really like about the show, and you know, I, I ignored Enterprise for years because of just it doesn't fit in continuity very well. And um, it's that, especially it's if you listen on headphones, sometimes it's a lot clearer. But all the noises on the show are very reminiscent of the original series, like the bridge oh, nice. noises or the doors opening closing. They all, you can tell, they took their inspiration from the original series. And it's, they, they were very cognizant of this shouldn't look too modern because of what the original series looks like. So, right. yeah, I, I think they did a very good job with the presentation. And like I said, the sound work is amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I've gotten that notion, too, because um, it, it, it's very reminiscent of a sleeker industrial space vibe than like alien had yes you know and i i i love i love that part uh, of of sci-fi is where you know they go beyond the super smooth and sleek finished shit like what we had in next generation and they get more into more like the workhorse ships and everything and, and enterprise being what it is in enterprise it, it is more of a uh more of a, a prototype and more of a you know more utilitarian than what you you get from even even the original series. I don't think it has to fully fit because the more of the show I watch, you know, a lot of the show, like the first episode, was all about the future people 
interfering in the timeline, and that's a common theme throughout the show, I think you could make a very clear argument for that this the enter the sh- the timeline that Enterprise is in that that the show is based on is a corrupted timeline by future time. Like I mean, you yeah. just like with just even Picard from First Contact. You know, there's Starfleet had their first Borg contact in like twenty one you know fifty three now, not you know uh, like twenty three sixty they originally. Did. And at the end, it's a mild spoiler. They send the Borg end up sending a subspace message to the Delta Quadrant that's going to take 200 years to get there, giving them the Earth's location, which we know they didn't become interested in Earth until Q kind of showed them. But you could still kind of crowbar that all in. But I mean, I think that that show very much has explored the idea of like events happened that we know that were recorded in history that have, you know, had that are now happening differently. So yeah, I think that they. They never explicitly say it, but I don't think that that is a prime universe timeline. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of inferred that, uh, given everything that's been happening in the Star Trek universe over the last, what, 10 years or so with the Kelvin universe and all that shit. It, it, any, 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 any time travel stuff, you, you get stuff jumbled up. It's not like there's original, you know, it's going to re- bend back to the original timeline. Even with that, though, some of the I, I hate whenever the Vulcans get involved in shit, because like there's an episode where um, somebody forcibly does like a mind meld on. Uh, oh, I'm blinking on the Vulcans uh, to Paul to Paul. Yeah. yeah. And it's revealed that only a few Vulcans have melder capabilities. And it's like a they're looked at as degenerates in Vulcan society. And there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 go, go, fu- fuck you. There's no way that gels well with anything we've ever seen. And I know they do more with that, with uh, like them finding some lost tenants of uh, Serac later in the series. And I don't, I don't think how they portray Vulcans very, or gels very well with the series, with the rest of the, the universe. But other than that, I mean, if you take some, I, I like that, I do like with the Vulcans how they're not always the good guys. Like mm-hmm. when you see their, there's a season one episode. Have you seen the, the Andorians yet? I think so. It's Man. been a couple months since I've, I've last tuned into the show. Man, when it becomes, because basically the Vulcans and the Andorians are at war, I am fully like engaged 100% like on, on the side of the Andorians. Like the Vulcans are assholes and are lying and manipulating and not, you know, uh, honoring treaties and shit. So, I mean, they're not... They're not always the most honorable people, which, you know, you're at war and you're justifying and makes it a little bit more realistic. But anyway, yeah. I'm getting us off in a, the wrong uh, <laughs> Star Trek. Oh, man, we're on a tangent, but hey, yeah, that's, that's, that's all good, man. So for this episode, we, uh, we covered Star Trek uh, issue one, uh, Hive from 2012, one of my favorite epi- or issues of uh, the Star Trek comic that came out. Let's get into that. Uh, what? We, uh, we covered a great issue of Star Trek this week, Star Trek The Next Generation <laughs> Hive. It's no. uh, got time travel and Borg, and it's got Seven of Nine, and Data's a Borg, and it's really good. Uh, I, think, I think you may be a little mistaken here. Okay. You, you caught uh, me. Unless, unless there was something in the show notes I missed. <laughs> we covered Star Trek issue eight, unfortunately. From uh, Marvel Comics, November of 1980, cover price of 50 cents, which is 49 cents too many. Um, (laughs) 
Hey, if you have if you have the issue right now, you could always use it for toilet paper if times get really rough. I I wouldn't say that. No, there's there is artistically, this is probably my favorite issue yet. Story-wise, not so much. <clears throat> and uh sorry, that was a wet cough, not a dry cough. Don't worry, we're good. The cover on this one is awesome. It's got Spock and he's like half dissolved like a crazy transporter effect and he's being held captive in this machine by these two or I'm sorry four insect looking robots and they're hovering they don't have legs they're just hovering in midair and their design is fucking amazing uh, yeah yeah you and they're... me were really excited to read this one because of how the how badass the cover is and if this cover exactly. is is meant to get you drawn in I was very interested it, it was. It was definitely, you know, hey, buddy, the first taste is free. Now you're going to have to slog through the rest. Um, it, it was great. The, the character's design, as you said, it was awesome. It, it reminds me of some of the dying cockroaches on the floor of the wolf spider arena. <laughs> you know, the way their backs are arched and the little freaking, you know, their little little legs are kind of all curled up. Uh, also, Spock's cool uh, pixelated transporter effect is pretty dope looking. Again, you can tell that this is a uh, Dave Cochran issue because these are very these designs are very much like the shit that he would do for the Shyar and the X Men comics, and we and Super Steve have talked about that in the past. But yeah, that's that's it, I'm not nearly as good as Steve at picking that stuff out, but he definitely Cochran has a a style when he does like space stuff, and this is very much in his style. The the other stuff. I, I'm not so good on, but yeah, I mean, this is very much in that uh, style. And like I said, those insect robots were. But yeah, yeah. Uh... <clears throat> and then uh, you know, Spock's got his freaking hands aglow, uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. It's 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 a great looking cover. I wish the interior of this book was just as good. Yeah, I would say this is the best cover so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll 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 concur with that one. And this uh this issue's titled "The Expansionist Syndrome," and it's brought to us by Martin Pasco, writer; Dave Cochran and Richard Villamonte, artists; Ray Burzon, letterer; uh, Gaff Colors; Luis Jones, editor; and Jim Shooter is our esteemed editor in chief. So. You open up with a with a with a real like, full page splash. It's really awesome. There's some alien ships. You can see through the view screen. Some crazy field effects going on, and Spock. <clears throat> okay, Spock. I, I don't see Spock. I see a mannequin of Spock. But where's Spock? This no. This this is a rare rare image of Spock. This is Spock at the very moment where he realizes he's waited too long to take a shit. <laughs> I would say shit his pants, so we're... <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's at that point where maybe, maybe he realizes he should not have trusted that fart. That is very much a, was that a poop or a fart face? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it, it's, it's, it's that was it a poop or a fart face kind of mixed in with a little bit of regret and chagrin about eating Chipotle or Taco Bell the night before. <laughs> It's like I knew I shouldn't have hit that drive through on Uranus. <laughs> yeah, we've we've all been there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, fuck, man. I'm sorry. This this was not a good drawing of Spock. Everyone else, you know, their backs are turned. You can't really tell. They all, you know, it looks like you got uh, Sulu screaming in pain. Kurt's warding off something, and uh, whoever's uh, 
whoever's on navigation over there looks the like Falco. she's got a the Falco over there's got a bitch in migraine. Uh, but Spock, Spock looks like he just realized, no, I should not have trusted that fart. These first couple pages are so muddled. Not the artist. The art is great in terms of story. Like we see these two <clears throat> very interesting looking ships on the view screen that are attacking them with these like Dave Cochran like beams. And we learn yeah. that the Enterprise is uh, entering the Aegean system on a heading for Starbase 14 when they are intercepted by this, uh, these two craft, which are shooting some sort of beam at them. And again, we get this double page splash, and the Enterprise looks so badass. Yes. And this little ship, there's uh, these two little ships are basically just fucking it up. But, I mean, what is it that they're doing? It's like affecting the crew where they look like, you know, like these psychic glowing things are on their head, so it's affecting them psychically. And it says that, like, the ship is caught in a stasis field, but we never really get this defined, like, what it is. Right. And, and for, okay, there are two more images of Spock, and he still looks like, you know, like that moment where you have shit your pants and you don't want to move. There's the one where he looks like he's having poop sweats. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, he's just like, I've shit myself, and I know if I move, the turd's going to roll down my pants and fall on the floor, and then everybody's going to know. He looks like he's in mid-fucking panic attack over shitting himself. There's a panel here where they're asking, like, Scotty, basically, what effect this is having on the ship, and he says, it's not like anything he's seen before. It seems to be like a stasis field, and they ask, like, the Kleons, and he's like, no, sir, this one's simply disabling the man matter, antimatter generators. And we talked about this last week. What... Kleon stasis field are they talking about? I went through yeah. the previous issues. The Kleons never used this. They, in the issue, the Haunted House issue, they disabled the 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 Enterprise with, I think, phaser fire. I looked right. it up last week, but yeah, it was like through weapons fire, or I mean, disruptor fire, but it wasn't yeah. a stasis field, so I don't know what they're talking about. Right. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's jacking up the ship. Spock is freaking completely out of sorts because he just dropped a deuce in his fucking space trousers. Um, and meanwhile, you know, quick cut over to the freaking sick bay and McCoy's got this sick patient and more on that bitch later. Uh, <laughs> if there's ever a character who just acts inexplicably for like no reason just to advance the plot, it is her. Uh, yeah, let's just call her female plot device. <laughs> I was really, as I was rereading this issue, I was so excited to get to that part of the, the, the it actually is like my favorite part of the issue because it's just so out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah, yeah, she comes out of nowhere and wrecks shit. But hey, so yeah, um, they've got 24 hours to transport her to uh, whatever star base they're going to because she's got some sort of space flu. She's got COVID-19. Or <laughs> the, maybe at this point it's COVID-2019. I don't know. Danubian rheumatic fever. And because of it, she needs a heart transplant, which McCoy says he isn't able to do on the ship, which it it is very inconsistent what can be done in a sick bay. Like in four movies, he can give a woman a pill to regrow her kidneys on Earth and... I mean, he's the shit that we see him do in the show, but I guess it's because he doesn't have a heart tra to transplant, but Maybe. I'll give it a pass. I'm just being nitpicky. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're under attack. Everyone's confused. Um, everyone's in pain and Spock gets uh, pixelated off the freaking boat. This is two cool things here that I really liked. One, that transporter effect is the coolest I've ever seen in Star yes. Trek. 
Because, yeah, yeah, it turns them into these boxes, and they just disappear one by one. And then, two, when he disappears, his uh, wrist communicator falls just on the ground, and we get a cool clack sound effect, which is very reminiscent of when uh, Lieutenant Aelia, Aelia uh, gets uh, disrupted by the V'ger probe in the motion picture, and her tricorder just falls to the ground. And, uh, two... The guy who relieves Spock at his station is Commander Kyle. I believe that's supposed to be Lieutenant Kyle from the original series, who was a uh, uh, background character we saw a few times working in, like, the transporter. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, that's all I can say that's cool. Um, <laughs> so they take Kirk. One of the ships breaks off with him. The other ship, which they can't get a sensor read on, is basically disrupting... The matter, antimatter shielding, which means the engines are going to blow up in four hours, and it basically tractors them to this planet, where they, they beam down to this planet with a two secu- uh, laser tag uh, security guards, which, because they, they have that padding from the movie, the armor, which really mm-hmm. looks shitty. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, as soon as they go to the planet, this is where this, this issue really goes off the rails. Yeah. Uh, a good, good note to character design. That that flying moth snake looking thing was pretty cool looking. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I dug it. I, they, again, the artist or the the artwork on this one is really good, and even the first time through, the story didn't. There was a little inconsistencies throughout that were kind of bugging me or just odd questions. But I thought the overall plot was cool until we get the conclusion, and then it just it didn't work for me. Right. So, yeah, they, they beam down. Uh, they get bushwhacked. Uh, apparently, all that fancy padding does nothing against a kinetic projectile. Yeah, it's like Stormtrooper armor that does nothing. <laughs> it's just there for show, maybe for a little intim- intimidation. But, you know, I mean, wearing diapers all over your body would intimidate anyone. They look like they're wearing, like, a t- terry cloth 70s karate gi with laser tag armor and hel- and laser tag helmet over it. I mean, it is not intimidating. No. Uh, he, he gets whacked. DeFalco happens to be in the line of fire. And uh, I'm guessing that's Kirk, who in, in maximum captain badassery, uh, shoots the projectile out of the air with his phaser. Yes. Which, yo, that, okay, badass, badass. So we see they get attacked uh, by these blue-skinned bald guys who are humanoid who they're blaming them for some sort of attack on their own people. A skirmish ensues, which we see. I thought this was Kirk when I first saw the panel. You see a double-fisted Kirk hit to the back of the head, but it was was, uh, Chekhov. He definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Maybe he took some notes from uh, Amazing Adventures and decided blunt force trauma to the head was the (laughs) fastest way to knock someone out. He's been listening to our show. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's a fan. He's a fan. He you know he writes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the tree didn't help him out either. I, I love that he calls the guy a Cossack as he hits him in the back of the head. <laughs> you, you know, some grudges die hard. Okay. <laughs> so our heroes are able to uh, subdue these bald headed Smurfs. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Beat me to the punch. <laughs> and then we learn that they mistook our landing party. For these evil beings called the Mocks, which uh, have uh, been attacking and subjugating his people. Oh, yeah. We get two of my favorite panels where the woman who is who uh, has the who needs the heart transplant. She wakes up in sickbay and she wants to know what's going on. 
and nurse chapel for no reasons like you need to rest and just like without even asking her is about yeah, to like, shoot her with a sedative and the woman backhands it out of her hand like fuck you it was just inexplicable that that those two panels just i mean without permission if she was just going to like jam her without letting her even know what was going on so i could see why she was a bit upset yeah 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 it's it's a theme with this chick <laughs> so, so <laughs> Scott's Scott's got the bridge, um, and a and wonderful they're, they're job he's doing of it. Yeah, they're they're trying to make some progress on negating the stasis field. And guess what? Uh, no. So our next page, and I was super confused here because they're on the clock, right? The Enterprise is going to blow up in like less than four hours. Um, the ship lets them know that there's this Citadel. That's it's what is it? Uh, like fourteen clicks away. or Fourteen something? clicks away. No, like and, fourteen point five. And clicks they away. don't transport them there. They walk there. They didn't. Well, you have five minutes left until the ship blows up. Now, I mean, yeah, if you're on a much. time crunch, they're like, they're even like, oh, this is gonna be slow going. We had to clear a path with our phasers. Why wouldn't you just transport there? Yeah, I don't know. But again, that that Citadel is super cool looking. It looks very it, alien. It is. The Citadel looks pretty badass. It, it's it's all angular and like sleek and it, it just just looks like something that absolutely does not belong. Um so he uh the, the one of the aliens he explains his people are called the orgs and they can't go in there unless it's after dark. Everyone who's ever done so has been killed. Every org who has has been killed. So their brilliant plan is they give him one of the the laser tag helmets and one of their coats. And so he's just wearing boots, a coat. I mean, he's not naked, but this you see his like bare legs underneath it, like the oversized. Yeah. And so they're going to try to disguise this blue guy as one of them. Because yeah, I think I think the loincloth is a dead giveaway. And it's not that he said. I, what I took from that is any being who goes in there will be killed, and they took it very literally. Well, we're not orgs. We'll disguise you as us. We can just break in there, and it will be fine, which is very specious reasoning, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, have you, He's got a website. It's uh, www.cleansmurf.org. <laughs> and uh, we learned that from him that these people that have oppressed them, that they uh, – here, his dad – sat him down and explained that the mocks dwell in a sterile world filled with the unnatural things our ancestors cast off to make our lives better. We're superior to them. So there's definitely some org racism with the mocks. Um, right. And we learn that the mocks basically, and I, I, I don't think that this is a, a, I think this is a very one-sided account of this. Basically, the mocks have their land, the orgs have their land, but the orgs can't expand anymore and they've, reproduced so much that they're running out of food and space and they're like like dying in their own pollution but they blame the orgs for now they just don't have room to expand how much you want to bet the orgs are all republicans that i would agree quiverly ones too so but they're like the mocks can't be all bad there's these giant snail things around the citadel that they seem to be live in peace with can't you just Let's shoot it? <laughs> yeah, can't you just eat those? And they're like, well, they're hard to kill. You can only get them at night. So DeFalco, for no, she's just like, oh, I'll kill one. Well, she tries to stun one, and it ha- it p- erects it like it what looks like its own personal force field, which is why they're hard to kill. Yeah, 
Oh. Yeah, that was that was that was, that so, was smooth move to Falco. <laughs> Which Kirk gets mad and he said, you know the Prime Directive interferes natural She shot a giant bug with a phaser. I don't think that's really covered in the Prime Directive. So, Not really. But anyway, we cut to Spock who he's on the machine that we saw on the cover. He's uh, strapped in this machine and he sees that they're basically asking him uh, to basically mind meld with the these those alien snails, the Kamar. And he says that he can't because that would be a uh, uh, violation of the Prime Directive. And they said that they refuse to take uh, life, but they will if they have to to defend themselves. And at this point, they go. our heroes go inside the Citadel. And they're just, again, amazed by, one, the mocks are robots and they figure out mox means mox is an m-a-c-h as in machines and they're living in perfect harmony like with their environment yes but they do look rather intimidating i mean you know there there could have been a, a little bit of design modification like maybe make them a little softer on the edges and maybe put a little smiley face on them so that they wouldn't seem so 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 aggressive looking because i mean that is one hell of a poker face where he's threatening spock yeah, and they're, I mean, they have these pincers for arms, and yeah, they do look a, a bit intimidating. And we see our heroes basically start to attack them. The Well, I guess in self-defense, the robots realize they're there, start to attack. And uh, our uh, blue man group here explains that they have a control center <laughs> on the side of the uh, of their body, and that's how you need to, to take them out. And <laughs> With a spear, no less. So we learn at this point that... There's a giant invasion plan for, like, right now of the city, and he just forgot to tell our heroes that. So, basically, they've infiltrated the city just in time for the rest of the orgs. They're doing a massive invasion, which is going to destroy the mocks once and for all. Right. How how duplicitous of him. Yeah. So, our our guys are a little bit upset by this, but they go in, they rescue Spock, and uh, people were flying through this issue. We are. It, it, I mean, it's such a mess. It's, like, hard to, like... Uh, he, so much it, of it is it, unnecessary to the plot. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we quibbled last issue that there was so much more that could have been added in to flesh out the plot. And this one is just like there's so much padding here that's not really necessary that, like, th- this could have been a side story in another issue. This could have been a B, yeah, a B. Right. Or, like, a small, like, issue, or it's just a small story at the end. Like, right, Kill we, Raven used to have. Yeah, and we could have done without psycho patient. I I do enjoy kind of Kirk and Spock kind of lecturing McCoy because McCoy he totally takes the org side, and we do see some good Star Trek here where Kirk is like, "Why? Wh- who are we to judge that the mocks aren't a true life form? They're just different." Right. Anyway, we see the the Smurf people. They start to invade and they start to smash with their their clubs and whatnot start to smash the mocks and this is this is where it gets truly baffling for me so why did the aliens why did the mocks want spock they wanted him to mind meld with the um was it the kamar to because it's not just force fields they have telekinesis and they were going to use their telekinesis to stop the invasion how through telekinesis somehow this never explained they're, they were they were gonna push everyone away gently. I, I I guess I mean that makes as sense as much sense as any. It's never explained how they're these super sophisticated robots who can def- 
fight the Enterprise to a standstill, but can't beat these blue guys who have sharp sticks and clubs. Yeah. They need tele- telekinetic aliens for reasons. So while this is going on, and this is this is the <laughs> this, is, this is the best part of the issue. So the the Professor Fowler, who's the woman who needs the heart transplant, she all of a sudden, she's like, because they've been getting updates from McCoy, she's like, I know how to solve this. So she gets out of bed, shoots up Dr. Chapel and knocks her unconscious, and then runs to the, I'm skipping ahead a couple pages, we'll skip back, but you see, she runs to the transporter room, she stole a phaser on the way, phasers three Enterprise crewmen, assaults them to transport down to the surface. Because she's like, I know how to fix this. And one, it's never really revealed what her plan was to fix the situation. And two, she couldn't have just told somebody or grabbed a communicator and told Kirk her plan. She had to assault four members of the crew. This is a woman of action, okay? And I, I feel, personally... That this was just, you know, turnabout being fair play here. You know, fuck you. You want to freaking sedate me without my consent? Have a taste of this shit yourself. She doesn't know how to use a hyperspray. There was a whole bunch of air that got in the end. And uh, <laughs> she just shot into Chapel's arm. <laughs> Chapel's got a severe case of the bends because of this. <laughs> she got like a brain aneurysm. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, so... <laughs> After she sedates Chapel, um, we, we we go down uh, to this deep chamber underground where uh, there's a little more arguing between uh, Kirk and uh, McCoy, uh, which, uh, you know, it's salient points were made, I guess. Wait, because McCoy's saying, I mean, there's people who need room to expand. They're dying because they're penned in. How are we? Why are we even debating on which side to take? And this is where Kirk and Spock basically point out that there's other forms of life than just what we know. We're, who are we to define what a lot, what's alive and what's not? We see that these are beings that are living in perfect harmony with their environment. You know, we shouldn't be taking sides in their struggle, which is absolutely right. Right, right. exactly. It's it's a good little pro, it's good Star Trek right there. You yeah, know, it's more more the philosophy of the Federation this- than anything. else. This is the best page in the issue because we get that prime directive conversation between our, our three and we get to see the uh, professor just go completely space crazy batshit and break out of sickbay. And that's all on one page. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you've got the blue insurgents, the blue man group <laughs> with their sticks, clubs, spears and other blunt force weapons uh, wreaking havoc uh, outside of the citadel. So yeah, they are just fucking up the mocks willy-nilly. And so, let me make sure I'm not uh, skipping it. So yeah, basically... No, you're skipping you're skipping the mind meld. Yeah, so yeah, Kirk, I just want to make sure that... Yeah, so Spock mind melds with the, the alien telekinetic slugs. So he uses that to send a telekinetic sh- like sh- wave through space, which stops the ship from using its stasis field on the Enterprise. And this is something we've seen the Enterprise do several times in the original series. It basically puts its phaser, its ship-based phasers on stun and stuns the whole Blue Man group. So they're all unconscious. Plus, we get when Kirk is taking his plan of action here, he reveals he knows a little something about the origin of these of the aliens, the blue people and the robots that Kirk, that McCoy doesn't realize yet. Right, yeah. He kind of gives a little, like, I don't think this is a violation of the Prime Directive. Not in this case. But we can talk about that later. 
So we get the woman. Oh, Space Rambo. Yeah, who, I mean, she made quick work of this. I mean, she was quite the badass. So she beams down to the planet. She's like, I can help. I can, I've solved this. I know the solution to this. And then she just passes out because she needs that heart transplant. So yeah, she's doing basically a Star Trek version of Cranked. <laughs> yeah, she, it's just so meaningless because her going down to the planet, I mean, she didn't have a solution. But we see, we see why she needed to be there here for the, the one page wrap up. Right. So, anyway, the alien ro- the robots are able to give her a. They make a, a synthetic heart, which McCoy should have been able to do, but which he's able to put in her. And now she brokers a peace treaty between the mocks and the orgs. And the mocks are going to teach them like how to basically live more in tune with their environment and how to grow their own food. So they're back into a sim- or they're into a more symbiotic relationship. But why wasn't this a prime directive? Uh, violation. Oh, because the orgs were dis- were descendants of uh, colonists from Earth. Yeah, so, they were refugees from the eugenics wars. Yes, from the 1990s. So, like, we saw uh, Khan was in a DY-100 class ship in Space Seed, so probably something sublight and similar. So it probably took them quite a while to get out there. A couple hundred years just to get out there. But let's just say that didn't. Let's just say somehow they got there quicker. How did those robots in a couple hundred years develop such, again, technology that could disable the Enterprise, which has the advantage of being built by a federation that has over, you know, at this point, over a hundred different member worlds, that some that have had space travel for several hundred years? I mean, I just, that's a bit unrealistic. And then how did these blue people evolve into a different appearance you don't evolve in like 50 years or 100 years. We're talking about millions of years. Uh, well, I can I can explain the blue skin. I can explain it. I can explain this. Okay, this falls within my area of expertise. Blueism? Blueism. It does. Believe it or not. Okay. So, so. <laughs> so, if, say, the environment that they're living in is a very nitrate-rich environment, right? Okay. Let's say they have uh, their soil content has a lot of nitrates, which seeps into the groundwater that they use to consume because people need water, right? One of the side effects uh, that is common to high nitrate levels in your drinking water supply is called blue baby syndrome, where it causes your skin of a human to turn blue. So. If they're drinking a water source consistently for generations that has too much nitrate but not enough to kill them, potentially they could all have a bluish skin tinge as a result of this. So it might not be the fact that they are no, they are blue skin per genetics, say. It could just be that they all have elevated levels of nitrate in their system, which is why all their skin is blue. Or they could be eating too many Smurf berries. That too. So, okay, I, I will take your explanation, but I mean, it, this was a, this very much reminded me of last issue where they wrote what they thought was an engaging story and then tried to crowbar like a, you know, one page explanation in and it, uh, you know what? It just, it just didn't work for me. Felt, it fell a little flat. Uh, I, I'll, I'll definitely concur with that. Yes. Sad trombone. It, it did fall flat. Uh, I was, I was underwhelmed. I mean, you know, uh, like we said in the beginning,
Bingo. Right. The the character design was was spot on. The art was pretty good, except for the uh, initial like four or five drawings of Spock. Although those were humorous when you thought about them. Um, Space Rambess, uh, Dr. Fowler, was what the fuck? I would read a whole series about her. Yeah. <laughs> she like, was pretty you know, bad. Like, you, you, there was certain I, – I remember like a year ago us like talking like when I was plowing through Voyager and you had some quibbles Die Hard about, in Space. About Die Hard in Space with Janeway. Janeway doesn't fit that mold. But if Fowler was the captain Plus she of was Voyager, dying at the time. She could barely stand and she took out like four crewmen. Exactly. Like every episode, if the ship gets overrun, we just take Fowler out of fucking cryogenic stasis and let her loose. I mean, We're good. Yeah, I mean, she was like Master Chief from Halo. Yes, exactly. She's just like the ultimate infantry woman. Like fucking let her loose. Fucking what? The ship's overrun? Hey, we've got the panic button that unfreeze stasis field three with Fowler in it. Boom. There you go. The ship is clear in 20 minutes. Do you remember the episode of Next Gen where they <coughs> they had like a Klingon ambassador travel by like th- like inside a probe to catch up with the Enterprise? That's what they should Ooh. have Fowler. They should put her in like a fo- to- photon torpedo tube and you just launch her into another ship and she just goes in and just like murders <laughs> from deck to deck to like <laughs> I oh, snap man. my 40th neck like I've taken the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking after this episode or after this issue, because again, this seems to be the pattern where they try to set up like a really like interesting concept and then just try to explain it away at the last minute. Could I could I come up with a plot that was somewhat similar? So I was outside like playing with my dogs, just and I just thought like this is like a five minute thought exercise. I'm like, could I create something similar? So I, I came up with a quick plot synopsis and then a way to explain it away to make it really stupid at the end. And oh, here I'm, I'm putting it anticipation. I'm putting this to you in the audience to see if I'm successful. So the show yeah. opens. Kirk and Spock head back to the Enterprise on a shuttlecraft. As soon as they get out of the shuttlecraft, they're immediately uh, grabbed by security crewmen uh, who are trying to apprehend them. They Kirk and Spock foo out of it, and they are in a running firefight to get out of the shuttle bay. And the entire issue is the two of them trying to disable the Enterprise or try to escape. And at one point, they're basically uh, they're captured, and you see Kirk, uh, Kirk and Spock are fighting for their lives, and. Spock gets hit, and it looks like he dies. So now Kirk is grappling with his own failure as a commander, wanting to know why his crew have mutinied against him, and uh, how he his failure in leadership and tactics have led to, Skirk, uh, to, to Spock dying. Basically, at this point, uh, McCoy and, uh, and uh, Scotty, they, they apprehend him, they hit him with a phaser, he's knocked unconscious, and when he wakes up, he's in sickbay, and they're like, oh yeah, everything's back to normal. What happened? Klingons gave us mind control cookies, and uh, <laughs> that wore off eventually, and everything's fine. But Spock, I saw him die. Oh yeah, he went into, uh, he doesn't handle sugar very well, he went into anaphylactic shock, and he's fine now. And then uh, McCoy gets into the, you know, if you hadn't, uh, it was due to your, um, vo- uh, your weak human ph- physiology, not your Vulcan physiology, that led to you going to unconscious in that moment, and that's what saved you. Wah, wah, and that's the end of the app. I mean, that is the same level of absurdity that we get for these conclusions off of what could be a really great story. Okay, my question is this, okay? There's one glaring pot- plot hole here, all right? 
how did they get the cookies on board the Enterprise? And I, I've got an answer for you. They were dressed as Girl Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was an ambassador from the planet Keebler. <laughs> oh, no. It was the Klingon Girl Scout troop, man. Somehow that organization has managed to make its way all the way to the freaking Klingon homeworld, and their cookies are delightful. My uh, my wife refuses to buy Girl Scout cookies. Can't stop myself. It's it's just crack. It's my weakness. Her she was a Girl Scout for many years, and her issue with the Girl Scout cookies is that when she was in the organization, they would sell a ton of cookies, and it's like eighty percent of that money goes to like the corporate entity. It's like, wow, you raised like ten thousand dollars selling cookies. Here's a thousand of it for like your individual troop. The rest is overhead. Yeah. So you're you're over so you're overpaying for stuff you could get at the store and it's not even going to the child labor that is selling it. It's all uh, like Yeah. A, I, I know. It's one giant pyramid scheme. I know that. So but yeah, my that's that's my wife's issue with the the Girl Scouts. Tell us what your issue is with the Girl Scouts. Yes. At uh you can email us at comicbookdungeon at gmail dot com. Comic Book Dungeon Podcast, I'm sorry, gmail.com. Or if you want to tell us a great Star Trek story and have like the worst O. Henry bullshit ending that doesn't make any sense to explain <laughs> it away, I would love to hear that. Oh, that would be fantastic. Please do. Because, you know, with everyone having to shelter in place, I'm sure somebody's got the free time so, to make up a good story. You, Entertain us with your yarn. We will read it on the air. The only criteria for this is... The again, it has to have an absurd ending that undercuts the story, and you have to have at the end some like stupid scene between Kirk or not Kirk, but Spock and McCoy, where they try to zing uh, their mild racism uh, uh, zings uh, Spock for being different. Yes, so. yes, absolutely. That that would be perfect. Ugh. Uh, yeah, this one. Uh, this is not a very good one. Again, the Dave Cochran every issue blows me away. With the fantastic uh, covers, yeah. Um, the next issue I can't wait to read. It's uh, Kirk, Spock, and the Enterprise trapped in a web of ghostly vengeance, and we see two crewmen uh, holding hands on the cover with a bunch of bald people staring angrily on the, at them as they hover in front of uh, the USS Endeavor in space. So this this one looks like it's just as absurd as this issue. So I can't wait. Hold on, I, I'm loading that one up because from, from the little thumbnail I saw, it reminded me of something. But I want to see a blow-up of the cover and verify that this is, in fact, what I think it is. Because it looked, it looked vaguely Wonder Twinsy. It does, yeah, because they're holding hands. <laughs> by, our car, by our powers combined, <laughs> that or Dragon Ball Z-ish, you know, one of the two. A little fusion action going on there. Oh shit! Yeah, they look like they're about to fuse. I'm I'm flipping through this, and they get into a ship to ship battle with the Endeavor at the uh, beginning of the issue. Oh, and everybody when they go to the Endeavor, they're dead. Yeah, this one looks badass so far. So you okay, guys got to well. tune in. Well, I guess you could just buy to get the read the issue yourself, but you wouldn't get our our, our witty commentary. Exactly. So, oh, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, and we'll have more. We'll have more quarantine updates. You know, life, life, life on the edge here. Because uh, I, I know your uh, your area is uh, getting uh, hit. My area is getting hit. Uh, it's only going to get worse. It's only oh, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I've talked to my folks in New York, and they are absolutely just, you know, thankfully, uh, it's like my parents have felt they've trained for this for the last 20 years because they're both retired. Yeah. So they are all about just sheltering in place because they don't want to go outside and deal with people anyways. Well, that's that's my whole goal in life. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, pretty much. I never hit record. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, it's too late now. <laughs> oh, fucker. No, we're we're good. Okay. <laughs> um, you so, scared the shit out of me. No, we we only we can only fuck up that way once an issue or once an episode. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing else. You got anything else? Hey, just keep turning those pages. That everybody stay safe out there. You know, I mean, it's it's a hell of a weird time we're living in. Uh, you know, don't don't take anything for uh, for for uh, for granted. Stay inside. Do what you got to do to get through this. Don't be a fucking douchebag going to spring break and spreading this shit around. Uh, good advice. And uh, this is Mark reminding you, why calmly explain your plan when you can assault three crewmen uh, and, and then ineffectually fast out instead of helping anyone? Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Wash your fucking hands. <laughs> good advice. <laughs> <laughs>
Captain, Klingons off the starboard bow. Again with the Klingons. Mr. Scott, give me full power. 